listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra It's All About Whiskey. I'm your host, Jason Johnson Yellen. Staring at me from my phone on my desk is the one and only, the inimitable. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> the non nefarious. Ah, indeed. <laughs> Tie in. It's Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Hello, Joshua. When you, every time you say, Extra, extra, it's all about whiskey. I always think of Han Solo saying, it's true. All of it. Hmm. It's true. Interesting. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jason. thought you were going to go with his, uh, his response to Princess Leia saying, I love you. I know. <laughs> that was in my wedding vows. No, not really. Oh, that not really, because you're about to say, really? No, oh, not really. That would have been so good. Not really. <laughs> so... Um, so anyway, what are we doing here? Extra, extra. We bring a news story to the attention of the other. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, nine times out of ten, focused on whiskey, the whiskey industry. Mm. We read it in the first half. We save all of our riffing. All of until it. Until the second every half. Every bit of it. Every single cubit. And then we get out of here in a tight 35. Yep. Every time. Every time. And it's my turn to bring an article to your attention. I can't wait to see what you've brought me. I have shared literally nothing about this with you. <laughs> nothing, and it's really killing me, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to jump into an article from Just Drinks. Okay. Now, it came out, it was published July 25th of this year, 2022. Oh, okay. So this is, uh, this is from a little bit ago, then. But the trouble for us is we only post an extra extra every couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. So while we spend a couple of episodes talking about American single mall and the TTB, the rest of the world turns. And we sometimes mm. have to go back into the recent history to have a chitty chat, an update, a catch up on something that we've missed. And I think this is a big story that we've missed and it's worth returning to. Okay. Before we jump into it, the author of said piece is Richard Woodard. And we don't always get an author bio, but for Just Drinks, there is an author bio. So I'm going to tell you, Joshua, that Richard Woodard is a trained newspaper journalist with more than 20 years experience of writing about the wine and spirits categories and he has been a regular contributor to Just Drinks since 2006. There you go. All right. Right? I thought that was worth sharing. 20 years writing about drinks. I like it. There you go. So the article is titled, The Big Bets Placed on China's Budding Malt Whiskey Industry. Hmm. With the subheader, Local Players Have Joined Diageo and Pernod Ricard in investing in the nascent market. Wow. Those are some big names tied to... Exactly. Samal. And I know a while back we did a story on a Chinese, a new producer, a new distillery, something we like did. that. We did. Inner Mongolia we covered. Yeah, yeah that's right. And so I, I thought this was a nice echo back to what we kicked off there. Disclaimer to begin the... The reading today, there are going to be a lot of words that I am going to pronounce very poorly. Uh, They they belong to a language that is not my own. 
English? I, I was, uh huh. <laughs> oh, English? That's what I, <laughs> I thought said. You, I thought you were going to say something else. There. No, 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 no. And this is already affecting me to such a degree that there's a lead photo and it says, Pernod records the, and then a word I don't know how to pronounce, distillery is in Sichuan province. Okay. Now, the distillery is C-H-U-A-N. Schwan. It sounds like Schwan, <laughs> Schwan to me. Like Sichuan, right? Yeah, like Sichuan. Yeah. For the province? Yeah. Okay, so Pernod records the Schwan distillery is in Sichuan province. And then there's a beautiful photo of it. I recommend our listeners mm. go look up Just okay. Drinks. Uh, go look up analysis from July 25th with Wh- Richard Woodard. I very nearly said Richard Rudard. That's <laughs> how much <laughs> reading these names is in my head. <laughs> Richard Rudard. Oh boy, it's going to be long. Um, all right, so here we go. Let's jump in. I'm not going to apologize every time I screw up a word, but here we are. I, listen, this is, this is the one thing I want you to do is read each word that you can't that you know you can't pronounce read it as if it's the word corollary cuz right you just have to go through it or it's like jim hendigus right you just like boom you got you got to want it so this is what i want from you <laughs> that was excellent i like that okay here we go malt whiskey production in china <laughs> <laughs> China. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Here we go. Malt whiskey production in China remains in its infancy, but the early signs, given the depth of investment from multinationals and local operators alike, are that the industry will swiftly acquire considerable scale. Hmm. The ventures from Diageo and Pernod Ricard, with planned expenditure so far totaling more than 200 million US dollars. Wow. Have hogged the headlines among Western audiences, but the company's ventures are only two among the more than 20 whiskey distilleries in China at various stages of planning, construction, hmm. or operation. So that's a much bigger number, right? Yeah. Than we- that we really covered in our, our previous extra extra. Yeah, sure. Speaking of the previous, these projects span multiple provinces and regions from Yunnan in the south to Inner Mongolia and Laoning uh-huh. in the north. There you There's go. our Inner Mongolia, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Some provinces, including Sichuan, Fujian, and Shandong, are home to multiple operations. High profile ventures include. The Luoyang Gaolong Distillery in Luoyang City, Hunan Province. Set up by Gaolong Liquor Group in 2018 and a multifunctional plant equipped to produce whiskey and a host of other alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages. Hmm. Hong Kong listed Grace Vineyards, the owner of a wine estate in Shanxi Province, has established the Dexi Distillery in Fujian Province Hmm. with two pot stills imported from Scotland and locally made multifunctional stills for gin. Hmm. Production is expected to begin in the next few months. 
And just very quickly, when you and I talked about the Inner Mongolia distillery, the headline had been a little clickbaity when it was like Scottish distillery yeah. moved to yeah. Inner Mongolia oh, or, yes. or Scottish distillery set up in Inner Mongolia. And really they bought their stills from, from Forsyth. Forsyth. Yeah. <laughs> and so here we are again right now. Now here's another distillery and we're talking about pot stills imported from Scotland, made in Scotland, right? Another Fujian operation, Nine Rivers Distillery. They've named that one for Jason's benefit. Oh, what's your favorite Chinese distillery, Jason? Oh, huge fan of Nine Rivers Distillery. <laughs> like them a lot. Nine Rivers. And why is that, Jason? It's the only one I could pronounce properly. It's the only one yeah, where, where I'm not it? offending an entire people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and where is it? Uh, China. <laughs> China. Do you know the province? No, I, I never remember the province. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we go. So Nine Rivers uh, hopes to be producing its own spirit by September 2023, with initial production set at a relatively modest 1 million litres of pure alcohol a year, but with ambitions to scale this up to 7.5 million litres okay. of pure alcohol Within three years. Wow, that's... So that's, one to seven and a half within three years. Yeah, that's big. Okay. So that closes out the introduction. Now we move into a subheading, projects in place but early days. <laughs> and we're back to my favorite Chinese distillery. Nine Rivers, established by a group of whiskey lovers <laughs> with the support of whiskey retailer Oak and Barrel, now has more than 200 mostly small investors and expects to conduct another two rounds of fundraising. According to founder and CEO Jay Robertson, the distillery will be a flexible operation with 12 stills of various shapes wow. and sizes, equipped to make three styles of new make spirit with unusually large batch sizes. It will malt and roast its own cereal grains. The aim is to give more flavor and stylistic options hmm. and is considering establishing its own cooperage. Like many Chinese startups, Nine Rivers is initially targeting the domestic market, but with a long-term aim to export overseas too. Quote, we have had a number of conversations with importers and distributors in the UK, Ireland, the US, Canada and Australia. But until we have bottled products, it's nothing for us to create any excitement about, Robertson says. Hmm. While Nine Rivers waits to start distillation and maturation, under regulations in China, whiskey must be aged for at least two years hmm. prior to release although this may change to three in the future in line with Scotch. The company has released a range of six different sourced whiskies under the banner of the Founders Casks. Taken from casks owned by the various founders of the venture, finished to arrive at the final product and bottled by Pinderan Distillery in Wales... These expressions wow. aim to give an idea of the kind of whiskey Nine Rivers hopes to create in future. There are 600 bottles of each expression set to be released at one a month over the next six months. 
Wow. Robertson. Okay, sorry. Go on. Robertson stresses that this is, quote, not to make any money. There's no money to be made when there's bespoke glass moulds on such a small production run. Mm. And the packaging we have put together is quite special, but it's good to keep people aware of the project for when we are producing, end quote. Is there a picture of what the packaging looks like in the article? Not yet. Nope. Okay. Interesting. Bespoke glass molds for well, small cask runs. Yeah, and that's and that's why I ask. You know, maybe we should talk about this in the riffing section. But yes, we, let's yes. let's please do keep that. your riffing to a minimum. Remind me to bring up the glass mold <laughs> nope. thing, Jason. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Write yourself a note on your hand. <laughs> All right, I'll type a note here. Go ahead. <laughs> Another ambitious project is the new distillery planned for Ordos in Inner Mongolia by energy business Mengtai Group, originally scheduled to complete construction and commissioning by December 2020, but beset by delays thanks to... Fill in the gap, Joshua. I'm I'm typing notes because you wouldn't remind me, so I haven't been listening. (laughs) <laughs> COVID-19 Ah, COVID-19, I've heard of that But it's 2022, right. Jason It's catching right. um, Distilling equipment Manufactured by Forsyths of Scotland Was finally shipped to Ordos Via Tangjin In September 2021 mm-hmm. According to David Valentine, MBE Chairman and MD of Valentine International The firm contracted To design and build the distillery if you'd like to hear more about that project, you can delve into the extra extra episode where we read that article and then riffed on it and got out in either a tight 30 or 35. Valentine says construction is, quote, progressing well, with completion likely in September and commissioning of the plant set to begin in late autumn. The first commercial spirit run is scheduled for late 2022 or early 2023. Artwork for the Mengtai project shows architecture with a strong Scottish vernacular. And the skills Hmm. and technical know-how of the Scotch whisky industry will be crucial to the development of many of the new Chinese ventures. Okay, now here's why we're gathered here today. This This is the final section, and it is titled Diageo Pernod Pushing Local Accent of their Chinese whiskey. Mm, that's uh, some interesting phrasing. Let's let's hear it. <laughs> and the, this this new section begins. Nonetheless, <laughs> that gets your attention, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Nonetheless, both Diageo and Pernod Ricard yeah. are keen for their own malt whiskey distilleries in China to have a strong local accent. Mm-hmm including the appointment of Chinese master distillers to both projects. Okay. Perno announced its 1 billion renminbi, which is CNY in currency, which is approximately 150 million US dollars. And that's what I was just about to check. Yeah, the exchange rate. <laughs> the exchange rate right now is currently 1.4. So if they do it quickly, 
will actually <laughs> save a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so there, so there are one hundred fifty million U.S. dollar ten-year investment in the Schwan, which is the name of the distillery, mm. at Emishan, Sichuan Province, in two thousand and nineteen, with production beginning in August twenty twenty one. The layout allows the relatively small operation, a pair of stills made by Forsyths, with production at one to one and a half uh, litres of alcohol annually to Uh, be expanded in future. One to one and a half litres of alcohol annually? (laughs) Very small, very small (laughs) operation. Very small. And and these are the guys doing the bespoke class. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, different outfit and they're all really small focused here China I thought was big alright start that sentence again the layout allows the relatively small operation just a pair of stills made by Forsyths with production at one to one and a half million mm. litres of alcohol annually Okay, That's... to be expanded in future so here we are here, here's this recurring theme of future expansion yeah right? The company has already opened a pre-release cask purchase program aimed at high net worth clients for the Schwan. Although it is too soon to draw conclusions on the style of whiskey being produced, clues are provided by the use of barley sourced from Scotland, Europe and China, plus different methods of maturation in a location that is much warmer and more humid than Scotland. Hmm. The Diageo Erwan Malt Whiskey Distillery in Yunnan province was announced in November 2021 with an initial investment of 75 million US dollars into a 66,000 square meter site located at more than 2,100 metres above sea level. According to local reports, according to local reports, construction of the distillery with a rumoured four still set up is about to start. I like that inclusion of rumoured. <laughs> rumored. <laughs> we couldn't get anybody to answer a straight question. It's a rumoured four still set up. That's the hot gas, Jason. <laughs> Tourism will also be a key feature of both projects. The Schwann's visitor facilities, due to open in 2023, aim to welcome 2 million people in the first 10 years. Mm. The company says it is pursuing a selective approach that prioritises the quality of the experience over numbers in an area peppered with Buddhist shrines that attract some 12 million tourists a year. Meanwhile, the whiskey itself will be aimed predominantly at a domestic Chinese audience. (laughs) And and since I've been so prepped for all of these Chinese names, uh, we're now getting a really good French name thrown at me. Oh, that's (laughs) That's going to hurt you even worse, Jason. (laughs) So, So this is according to Philippe Goutat. G-U-E-T-T-A-T, the chairman and CEO of Pernod Ricard's operations in Asia, 
who has described it as an, quote, international standard whiskey, but with a Chinese touch, end quote. Hmm. And we're getting out of here the last paragraph. <laughs> Nonetheless, Guta has also revealed that a number of local Pernod companies have already inquired about the availability of Le Chuan's whiskey, hinting that while Chinese malt whiskey may start its life as a domestic entity, international success may be a big part of its long-term future. Mm-hmm. End of article. Quick break and a bit of riffing. Richard Woodard's lovely article in the back, we come to to our free-form portion of the episode. And Joshua, mm. I know I forced you to write a note. I want to circle back right away to what you asked me to remember, which is the bespoke packaging for a small run of casks released not to make money, but to keep the profile of this new distillery in the public's mind. So you said specifically that you would not remember, you would not tell me, and then you forced me to write a note, which caused me to not give you my full undivided attention. And now here you are going against what you said, having remembered everything. That's how I operate, Joshua. Keep you on your toes. Well, their comment about bespoke glass. Now, I, on a small run. A small run. A small run. You and I looked at bespoke bottles a couple of years back, right? And there's, I, I guess, kind of like chill filtration, there are different levels as to what bespoke <laughs> can and can't be, right? You know, we... Yes. I remember years ago talking to Bill Lumsden about the chill filtration of Glen Morangine. He referred to it as being a very, very light chill filtration because he wanted the oils <laughs> in there. So it's, it's the same process. It's just not so much of that filtration. And so I think the same sort of rings true with bespoke bottling. I'm really curious to know, is this a new mold from the ground up where they're creating a bottle shape or a bottle style that hasn't existed before, that is specific and exclusive to them? Or did they take a standard bottle and make minor adjustments to the mold? Um, What's a good example? You know what? A a pretty decent example is the old Isle of Arran bottles, where they took a somewhat standard bottle and were able to adjust the mold to add the gold eagles on the shoulder mm-hmm. of the bottle, yep, absolutely. right? And thereby making it bespoke. And, you know, we were quoted from the glass producers the difference between a completely bespoke bottle and, a, <laughs> right, or a bottle where they modify the mold slightly for you. And so it just made me think, here it is, small run, 
are they doing a full bottle or, or are they modifying a pre-existing one? And that's why I asked if they showed a bottle, uh, or I'm sorry, a picture of that bottle. So given that they haven't, I just want people to remember there's different levels of what that bespoke can mean. So since I can both listen and type, I have sent you a link that presents a photo of the bottle. Braggart. And we're not in the business of promoting releases in Extra Extra, uh, but I will say if, if one does a search for Nine Rivers and Founders Casks, mm. you, dear listener, will also see a photo of the bottle. And Joshua, now that you see it, I think it looks a little bit, certainly in the neck and, and cork, I think it looks a little bit like the bottles we used for our Oishi. Two casks out of Japan. It won. It's got that kind of, it's got that strength to it, right? Just looking for my bottle. The neck on this bottle, and again, we're discussing a picture that our listeners can't currently see, but the neck seems to kind of taper in on this Founders cast bottle yeah. a little bit more than it does on our Oishi bottle. Yeah, it also looks a little shorter, and there seems to be a taper in the bottle from the shoulder to the heel, slight taper, which ours doesn't have, and then they have an accentuated heel on it, kind of like if you think of a Kilhoman bottle that has that almost mm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that thick base to it. So it's a it's a an attractive looking bottle, good looking cork. Yeah, I mean it's not ornate, it's not over the top. It's just nice, attractive packaging. And that that was partly why I wanted to see a photo of the bottle for myself was when we're talking about a small run of bespoke bottles, it's absolutely to your point, how bespoke is bespoke. Yeah. yeah. And and is it pear shaped? Is it teardrop? Mm. Is it on its side? Um, Are there <clears> zombies <throat> holding it up? <laughs> A story we didn't cover in this week's Extra Extra. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so, yeah, so, so I was curious. I also wanted to go see if we could find what is in the bottle. And aside from learning the names of the six releases, I haven't found information on contents. But that's not the reason we're here, Josh. No, so, no. So with, so with, the, the, with the glass point made and, and off to the side, what do you think about this This burgeoning Chinese market. What do you think about these known multinationals stepping yeah. in and saying, okay, we are going to have a presence in China and we're going to try and be respectful of where we are and what we're producing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting listening to this and hearing about what initial plans are. I mean, first off, any new whiskey distillery has me excited. I don't care where it is. I shouldn't say that. I do care where it is because I'm curious to try whiskeys from places that haven't been traditional whiskey producing countries. And so you get to see their own take on whiskey and what maybe their own environment does to whiskey. So so I, I'm definitely interested in where it comes from. Um, the Chinese culture has me question um, these various distilleries' approach to 
their initial sales where they say they're, they're going to look to satisfy the, the Chinese market first and then potentially look to export markets. And when I think mm-hmm. of China as a market for spirits, for years and years and years, it was ultra-aged ultra cognac. And then it became ultra-aged Scotch whiskey, all of it dark as night. And if it wasn't naturally dark as night, they added caramel coloring to make it dark as night. And so you've got these distilleries, 20 in all, that are either in the works, in planning stages, what have you. Of course, they highlight two or three here. It's interesting that they say they're going to go after the Chinese market with this younger spirit initially, unless their plan is to do something like, say, what Isle of Rasse did and what they're doing with this Nine Rivers bottling where they're sourcing whiskey to give you an idea of the style they want to go for. Well, how long can they sustain that until they're selling their actual spirit, which likely will not be similar to what they had been bottling previously? Well, my thought, my comparison was Virginia Distillery Company, where they had the Eads brand, where they were bringing in whiskey from Scotland and then finishing it oh, okay. in you know, you know, wine casks. Uh, I'm not sure what percentage was Virginia wine, but I know there was a relationship there. And then they came on site making their own whiskey. And the goal was never to replicate what they'd been bringing in from Scotland. That was just a way to... In their case, it was to bring in some money to recoup some of what they were spending on yeah. the distillery setup. But uh, who who are we thinking? Um, Tipperary, right? Yeah, Tipperary. Sure. Yeah. When they launched in the United States, had sourced liquid that was pitched as here's what we're going to be looking to produce mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. our own distillery get a sense of what we're about and decide if you like our flavor profile before we even start making the product my hope my hope for these distilleries it is that there will be a bit of national pride going on and that the chinese consumer who typically likes older more mature liquid may still support these companies anyhow, and then hopefully start to help that palette evolve a bit more to to appreciate these different styles slash younger spirits. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, certainly with, with The Last One Nation Under Whiskey, where, where you talked with, with Indri there, um, an Indian single malt, and, and thinking about... Amrut going into the the global market, the export market mm. first. And then we spoke with Shilton when he was still with Paul John. And there was this sense of if you were going out to drink single malt, you would drink scotch. Yeah. You wouldn't drink Indian. And Indian was a different product and different ingredients and cheaper and maybe a, a little harsher and you would dilute it into a long drink. Somewhat questionable, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so there was that yeah. sense of there there wasn't a desire. Mm. And I think now that we're hearing Amra into Paul John, into Indri, there's, there's a nascent market 
in India now yeah. for yeah. Indian single malts. Think about the last few extra extras that we've that we've covered, and we're not done yet. We'll have a One Nation Under Whiskey focusing on it in October. But I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently as well. Is there a rising pride in American single malt? Mm-hmm. Where again, well, I love single malt. Oh yeah, I, I love Scotch. I'm a Scotch drinker. Well, America's got some single malts. Yeah, yeah, it does. But did I tell you that I love Scotch and Scottish single malts? And I'm seeing that tide yeah. shift. Yeah. Or look at the pride around Westland and Copperworks and Virginia Distillery Company and Balcones. Mm-hmm, right? Sure. We we meet people who are raving about their love of Balcones. And so so that's rising. And I I don't want to generalize from a handful of examples, but I think there's something in place now that was certainly not in place a decade ago, which is the beginnings of national pride around one's own single malt, Penderin in Wales, Macmira in Sweden, Mm -hmm. right? And I think... I think it's going to be very interesting to watch how China writ large or a niche of the Chinese market mm. responds to these Chinese distilleries. And as as you just pointed out a second ago, do they take pride in it? Or do they say, eh, kind of an aged Scotch fan, I'd rather keep buying that. Yeah. Or or is it both? Or is it separate markets, the conversation we had with with our bespoke folk, right? Where they're saying there are multiple consumers and maybe maybe the consumer of a nascent Chinese distillery is different from the Chinese consumer Mm. of aged Scotch products. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting too hearing that you've got both Diageo and Pernod Ricard backing some of these distilleries or Mm -hmm. a couple of these distilleries. That immediately tells me there there's money behind it, not just for production, but specifically for marketing and, and creating marketing campaigns. And the fact of the matter is what we purchase is 100% influenced by marketing, right? Chivas, Chivas, Pernod Ricard's um, Age Matters just helped press upon the years and years that the Scotch whiskey industry you know, talked about 18 is better than 12 and 25 is better than 18, right? If you have enough money and enough ad campaigns to help change minds and to help get liquid into glass, well, you got the two companies that are going to help do it. Uh, Agreed, absolutely. Another aspect of that for me is, and, and I love this, watching multinational corporations in real time, expand into new markets. Yeah. And hearing the language, which is neither Diageo nor, nor Pernod Ricard want to be seen to just be going into a country, building a distillery and running it with their own people that they've imported from Scotland. Mm. There's this talk of what does it mean when a company that has Scotch knowledge opens a distillery in China and includes Chinese people. Yeah. 
what does that look like? And, and I think that's going to be something worth worth focusing on because you know we have got examples where we've got John Robertson, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And we've got David Valentine, MBE, you know, in charge of the Inner Mongolia project. Yeah. So so we're we're bringing in Scottish expertise. How does that get passed on to locals who can be hired locally, employed mm-hmm. locally? Mm-hmm and really build the industry with Chinese people and not just be a Scotch operation operating in a distant land. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> the, the, the other thing, well, there were a couple of points here that, that kind of interested me. Um, one of them I thought that was interesting was there's currently a two-year minimum mm-hmm. that they're looking to mm-hmm. extend to three-year, which, which I think can be good in some parts of China, right? You've got so many different climate zones within China, some of which are very cold and some of which are, well, granted it's not China, but think of Taiwan, uh, where the the climate is notoriously hot, humid, really difficult to deal with, and you have an angel share of 10 to 12 to 14%, depending on who's telling you the story. And the difference of a year can be a ma- it can be an exponential difference and so it'll be interesting to see if they do increase it to 3 years or if that becomes a regional thing yeah yeah and again back to our our friends producing american single malt right we know the united states we we un- understand in broad terms the climate across the United States. Mm-hmm. And we've got Amanda Beck with the Virginia Distillery Company talking about what will re- regionality look like in American single malt going forward. Yeah. Now here we've got China, which admittedly is a country I don't know particularly well. I, don't, I certainly don't understand broad strokes of climate and what that means. But just like we've had people learn about Scotland for a few decades now through regionality of whiskey. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be in the lowlands? What does it mean to be in the highlands? What does it mean to be on the islands, right? What do each of those microclimates look like? I would love to learn more about Chinese climate and the broad swath of that country through whiskey. Yeah. What better way to learn about people and geography and culture than through whiskey. I think that can be a very strong aspect mm-hmm. of this growing market. Yeah. We could we could keep going. This this was a longer article and we've, we've I think we've got all of our words in in the in the riffing portion. But I understand I might be cutting you off. Is there a, is there a sentence or two you'd like to get out of here on Joshua? I, no, not really. You know, other than there being a bit of excitement, you know. This is this is a very new story, you know, one that we're, we're echoing, right? We, we touched on the Inner Mongolia distillery uh, earlier this year, sometime last year, whenever it was. But, but my point is they're, they're talking about 20 distilleries. We're going to have years to talk about this, years to learn about it and, and evolve with it. So I'm no, I'm just I'm following it with interest and I'm excited for China and and what sort of whiskeys they can produce and they've got the right equipment. It sounds like they've got some of the right people involved to help them along their way. So let's see what it 
what it can produce. I, I think we should be supporting this and and cheering this on. Excellent. Yep, I absolutely echo those sentiments. That's very well put, Joshua. Okay. And I don't say that every day. You do not. So you do not. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to reach out to us, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com or info at singlecastnation.com. No E really anywhere. Do anywhere. we have info, single, oh, single. There's a an single. E in single. Casknation.com. Yeah, there is an E in single. Shit. Questions. Oh, there's an E in questions. At One Nation Under Whiskey. Oh, there's an E in no under. No E in that whiskey. But there's an oh, there's E in an under. under. Oh, gosh. Oh, so there you go. So put your E's in the right place. Just don't put them in don't whiskey. Don't put them in whiskey. No, nope, never. All right. We're out of here, Joshua. Thanks ever so much to you. Thanks ever so much to the listeners. Very, very dear listeners. Thanks to Richard Woodard for writing an article for Just Drinks that was well worth reading together and well worth riffing on. Indeed. So until next time, peace. Peace.